God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for this week that we've had. Just everything that you have been going through with us. We know that you're with us every day, throughout the week, every morning when we rise, and every night when we lay down to rest. So we just acknowledge that this morning, too, that you're here with us. God, we just want to honor you this morning. We want to take a moment like we should every day, but in case we've forgotten, a special moment this morning to just acknowledge your presence and to thank you for being with us. God, we just want to lift you up this morning and we ask that you would just meet us here in this place. This is all for you. Have your way in our midst this morning. Whatever it is that we came in with, our needs, our agendas, our to-do list that's in the back of our mind, God, I just ask that you would just clear the slate that we're here, we're with you, we're ready. We want to just yield to your spirit and just let you do what you want to do, accomplish your purposes in our hearts this morning. Amen. I think I said this morning like 22 times, but that's okay. It's morning. Good morning. All right, we're going to sing. Amen. Let's do it.
going to read this call to worship this morning from Psalm chapter 42, verses 7 through 8. You might be familiar with it. It says, Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Amen. That's the God we are worshiping this morning. He's with us every day. Let's sing together. Stone, this solid ground. 
morning. I'm just noticing as we're singing these songs, I didn't plan this, but the call to worship and all the songs are talking about God's presence, just His ever-present, always with us. I don't know what that means to somebody today, but that was the thing that the Holy Spirit just thread through all of these songs and, and through the call to worship. That wasn't intentional at all. So I just want to acknowledge that, that maybe there's someone here that needs to hear that this morning, that He's with you all the time, every day. He's ever-present. He never leaves. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, when you feel alone, when you feel hopeless, He is right there. He is with you. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Kevin, could I throw something at you real quick? Could I just have you continue playing softly for us? Um, this morning, as we continue in this attitude of worship and praise, uh, we're going to enter into a time of corporate prayer, which is something that we do every week. And you know that these altars are always open. You don't need a special invitation. Um, but this morning, we are going to have a special time of anointing and prayer. Um, someone has requested to be anointed and prayed over this morning, and it's been some time since we've done that. But we, as Nazarenes, we believe in God's healing power. And we believe in calling together the people of God, led by the elders as James, as James instructs us to come around and to anoint and to pray for God's healing. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to invite Pam. She's going to come and sit on this front row up here. And in just a moment, I'm going to come down and anoint her. And I'm going to ask if a few people could gather around her and pray. But while I'm praying for Pam, uh, while we're praying for Pam, if there's anyone else this morning that just wants to be anointed for uh, something that you have going on in your life, I want to invite you that you can come forward and you can gather over here on this, my left-hand side, and I'll be glad to come and anoint you and pray over you. So I'm going to come down here. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Pam has recently discovered that she's got a mass on her, on her brain. And so um, right here. So we are going to be anointing her for this, um, her frenemy, she calls it. She calls it her frenemy uh, because she's been checked out and there's no perceived immediate threat. However, it is a serious uh, concern, and she is still continuing to get checked out to see exactly what it is and what needs to be done. Um, she's also got some discs, right, on your spine that are touching, and you're touching your spine, which is equally as concerning this morning. So we are going to anoint Pam. We're going to pray for the healing of God, because I don't know what you need to pray to Jesus about this morning, and I don't know which name stands out to you about Jesus this morning. But this morning, we are going to call out to Jesus, our healer, because we believe in the power of anointing, and more importantly, the healing, the divine, miraculous healing of God. But we also stand in this tension of even if. And so we, we pray for anointing, and we believe we muster up every little bit of faith we have and we believe and we call upon the name of the Lord, the healing Savior. But we also pray, even if, Lord, strength, peace, comfort, beyond understanding. So would you, even if you're not gathered up here, would you just extend a hand this morning and lift up our friend Pam in prayer. So Pam, this morning, I anoint you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning and we lift up our, our beautiful sister, Pam. 
And God, we know that you are already well aware of all of the physical issues that she's dealing with, with these concerns, God. But we, we call out to you together today. We gather together as the people of God. And Lord, I pray that this would serve as a reminder to Pam this morning that she would know that she doesn't carry these burdens alone, that she doesn't walk this scary road alone, the road of the unknown, the road of the unexpected, that she doesn't have to bear that burden alone. She has people around her who love her and who are going to show up for her. And most importantly, this morning, gather around to lift her up to you. God, we pray for a healing, miraculous touch. God, we pray for wisdom for these doctors to discover what the issue is, what's causing it, and how it can be taken care of. God, we pray that you would move mountains, that you would just bring the impossible to the surface and help us to see what that is, help doctors to see what that is and how this best can be treated. God, we pray the same thing for these discs that are touching her spine. God, all these issues are, are just are scary and dreadful. And so, Lord, we just pray, God, not only for healing, we pray for that healing. We know, God, that you are a God who heals. God, we've seen you do it before, and we trust that you can and will do it again. God, we declare that with faith. Help us to have that faith this morning. As the Father in Scripture cried out, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. God, as we stand in this tension of what we see and what our faith reveals to us, God, would you just help us to stand firm in the truth of your word and the truth of who you are. And God, despite what may come, God, would you just fill Pam this morning with an abundance of your strength, with your peace. God, may she know without a shadow of a doubt that she is held in your hands. God, that you see her, that you love her, that you are near to her. God, we thank you that you invite us to come before your throne and to pray for the impossible. God, we thank you for your love and your healing power. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the community. We thank you, Lord, for the community, the fellowship of believers. God, we thank you that you have made yourself available to us. And that, God, we don't have to do anything special before you. We don't have to come with anything fancy or extraordinary, but we simply are invited to just come. We are invited to just come into your presence and to pray that your presence and power would be with us. So God, we just pray for everyone in this room and those who are watching from home this morning. God, whatever it is, whatever the need that is present in their lives this morning, God, would you just take a moment to draw near 
In fact, we, we believe that you've already drawn near because that's who you are. So may we take a moment to recognize your nearness. God, may we just be overwhelmed in this moment at your presence. May we be overwhelmed by your presence knowing that you are here with us, that you are in us, you are among us. God, you're already moving and working. You're already right here. Help us, God, to be aware. Help us, God, not to miss. Help us not to miss your presence and what you want to speak to us this morning. Speak, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your sweet presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you unite us, you bring us together, and we are as one. Through you, O oh God, through Jesus our Lord, and through the Holy Spirit who is in us, who is Christ within us. God, would you just remind us again through the opening of your word, would you just remind us what is available to us? And that even though the road seems long and oh so difficult, and God, each day we are surprised by the difficulties that we face. We are surprised and overwhelmed at the troubles of this world. God, even though... Would you just remind us who you are, what you're capable of, and what you want to do in and around us. God, help us this morning to be encouraged by the truth of your word, by the power of your presence. And God, we wait for you again. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Open up our hearts to receive life, guidance, direction. God, we love you and we thank you for the love you have given to us. We thank you and we pray all of this in the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Are you grateful to be a part of a community this morning? It's a beautiful thing to have the fellowship of believers. I'm so glad that, that Peter, along with others, instruct us not to give that up. And that may we not take for granted this morning just the beauty of being together. And that two years ago, this was not the case. And can we just take a moment to appreciate the redemptive grace of God that's brought us back together? And we just celebrate that. We celebrate that this morning. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand uh, once again for the reading of the word. This morning, we're reading from Luke chapter 22, 
verses 31 through 34. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Even though, I'll just say what you're probably thinking, a little bit of a peculiar word, just a seemingly random passage there that is before you, and you're probably already wondering. It's always a weird thing when Scripture kind of starts off with a declaration about Satan, right? It's a little, it catches us off guard just a little bit. And we'll come back to that in just a moment, but, but for now I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little bit difficult and it might be a little bit painful, so forgive me in advance, okay? But I want you to think of a time, you don't have to dig up anything too painful, but think of a time, and let me kind of set an example before you that maybe will keep this from being just like too much. I'm not trying to get like super deep and painful here, but maybe think of a time when somebody in the church, whether it's this church or a previous church, maybe think of a time when you were let down by somebody you loved. We're all humans, right? We are all human. We are fragile. We are frail. We are uh, full of, of sin at times before the God's grace, before recognizing God's grace. And, and even then, we have moments, moments where we falter, moments where we feel like we've let others down. So basically, I'm just saying we've all let someone down at some point. And so you've probably been let down and experienced hurt or pain at some point in your life, but let's just, let's just personalize this for a moment and just think of a time when someone, maybe a brother or sister in Christ, let you down. Have that in your mind, okay? I can think of a time, and, and here's what I want you to do, because this part, this next part for me is even more difficult. Like, it can be difficult to think of a time when I've been let down, but, but hopefully restoration has happened, so, you know, it doesn't, it's not too painful, because hopefully that's been restored and made right again. Hopefully forgiveness has happened, has taken place, and so that you can kind of move on from that in some way, but now I want you to think of a time when you let someone down, because we've all done that, right? Maybe think of a time when you hurt a brother or sister unintentionally, and it's a time that you, you grieve and you feel bad for. I don't know if you're like me, not everyone. I think a lot of this has to do with my personality type, but for me, it is so much more difficult to think about the times when I've let other people down. When I feel like I have failed someone or disappointed someone, I, it takes me a lot longer to get over that and move on from that than it does for someone to, to forgive and move beyond someone hurting me. Anyone else out there like that this morning? Because I realize that it's so difficult. And sometimes I'm amazed at how hard of a time I can give myself when I've upset someone unintentionally, when I've let someone down, when I've disappointed someone, it just sticks with me, and I feel like a failure. I hate feeling like I have failed someone, 
and I know I have, and I'm sure it will happen again. But think about that for a moment. Think about either a time when someone has let you down or disappointed you, or a time when you've let someone down where you've disappointed someone and you feel like you totally and completely failed. And whether or not you have as difficult of time as I do moving beyond your failures and shortcomings, I think we can all agree that to some extent we are hopefully bothered by our shortcomings, right? We we can probably agree that, that when we let others down, when we fail, it bothers us. We, we don't like feeling like we've let others down or failed them. And I wonder, I was thinking about that this week, and I wondered, why is it so difficult sometimes to move beyond letting someone down or failing or feeling like you failed someone? And I wondered, maybe it's because it catches us by surprise sometimes. You know, like you did something that you were not even intending to do. You let someone down in a way you weren't expecting. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. It totally caught me by surprise. And so maybe that makes you feel even worse. And maybe for me anyways, it makes the the self-loathing feel a little more justified. Maybe it's because as Christians, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, we want to be the best we can be. We strive to be maybe perfect sometimes, and when we fail or when we feel like we failed, when we have fallen short, we're just so disappointed because we wanted to be faithful. We wanted to maybe even be a little bit perfect, and so when we fall short, it just hurts really hard. I'm going somewhere with this, so I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But we are in the season of Eastertide, and what that means is we are living and celebrating the light and the life of the resurrection. We are on this side of Easter. It is the second Sunday of, or the third Sunday of Easter, and so we are living in the light and life of the resurrection. But if you would just bear with me, as you know by our text this morning, we are going to go back just a bit. Going back just a bit to when Jesus was betrayed or just before his betrayal. Luke, in his, in his gospel in chapter 22, Luke describes that Passover is approaching, that, that Judas, along with the religious leaders, are preparing to get rid of Jesus and we, Luke in chapter 22 describes this beautiful scene of Jesus sharing this last meal, the last supper as we call it, with his disciples, his closest friends. He shares this beautiful meal with them and then suddenly, don't you hate it when you're having like a family dinner or something like a family dinner and all of a sudden a fight breaks out, a dispute arises and it's like, really, we couldn't just have a nice meal together? And I wonder if Jesus was thinking that, like, really, this was the last meal and Okay, cool. But, but they're having this beautiful meal, and all of a sudden, a dispute breaks out. And the disciples begin arguing about who's going to be the most faithful and who's going to be maybe even the greatest. And Jesus is quick to lovingly and graciously correct the disciples' misguided thinking. And that's when he turns to Peter and says these words that we just read. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and even to death with you. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, 
before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. We're beginning this series today that hopefully you've been kind of seeing little sneak peeks about, but we're beginning this series called Praying Our Way to Pentecost. And each week we'll kind of look at prayer from a different angle and, and, and look at prayer in a different way. And today is this unique moment where we see that Jesus says that he has prayed for Peter. He's prayed for Peter, and I don't know about you, but anytime I read in scripture where Jesus is pausing to pray for someone, I take notice because I want to know what is Jesus' prayer, right? Like what's on Jesus' heart? What is it that Jesus is praying for? Who is he praying for? And what is it that he's praying? And in this moment, Jesus is praying for Peter. And as we read that his faith would not fail. He, I just imagine him lovingly looking at his friend, praying that his faith would not fail. And yet you and I know what happens next, right? You and I know, most of us, if not all of us in this room, know what happens next. That just a few verses later, if you have your Bibles open, you can read it, find it real quickly, because just a few verses later, Peter denies Jesus. Once he's arrested, he denies Jesus Not once, not twice, but three times. Even after being told, just being told that he would, and oh, I swear I won't, and he does. And I just imagine that moment, that painful moment that Peter recognizes, the moment that you hear the rooster in the background, the moment that it hits home for him, the moment that his Lord and friend looks him in the face, And he runs away, weeping bitterly at what has just happened. See, you and I, on a much different level, please hear me, you and I, though, in some degree or another, we understand this moment where we have let someone down, right? Where we have, where we feel like we failed, We feel like we've done the impossible, that thing that we didn't want to do. We've all had this moment to some extent. We've all been there, and and maybe it's with another person, but let's get even deeper for a moment and acknowledge that we all feel like we have let the Lord down, just like Peter let the Lord down, right? It might be different. We can't fully relate to Peter's exact experience, but we all have those moments where we realize, oh God, I failed. I fell short. We've all had those moments where, where we realize Maybe for some of you, it's just you completely turned your back. You turned your back on God and you just feel like, you know what? It's just, I'm too far gone. I failed too much. There's no going back. Maybe for some of you, you just can't move on from that one dark period or that one low period where you feel like you just, it was one let down after another. We, in a sense, know what Peter feels in this moment, in a sense. We feel deep that guilt, that grief, that that pain, and that feeling of utter and complete failure. So what happened? What happened? What are we to make of Jesus' prayer for Peter's faith not to fail? How do we balance that with what has actually happened? Did Jesus' prayer go unanswered? We're talking about prayer. We're we're acknowledging this prayer and we are acknowledging what happened. So what happened? 
How do we make sense of this? How do we balance this? Well, did you know, and if you really did know this, I'll be very curious and interested, but did you know that this Greek word that that Luke uses for fail, when Jesus says, Peter, I pray that your faith would not fail, that Greek word that that Luke loses, and I'm going to totally butcher it, it's called ekliep, and, and Luke uses this word in two other places, at least two other places in his gospel. Once in chapter 16, when he's talking about worldly gains, and essentially that they won't be around forever, that they will cease to exist. And then later, Luke uses this same word for fail in chapter 23, when Jesus has died and the sun had failed to shine and darkness had come over the land. See, this Greek word for fail means to die out or to come to an end. So what if Jesus' view of failure doesn't match our own? Because I know how I feel when I've let someone down, and and especially God, right? I know how I feel, and I might not even argue that Peter's denial in this moment feels like failure, because I know what that feels like, right? But apparently Jesus' understanding of failure is not the same as our understanding of failure. Because you see, Peter faltered, right? Peter faltered. He had a weak moment. You could probably even say he had a crisis of faith in this moment. Peter faltered, but according to Jesus, he did not fail. Once Peter experienced the radical grace and forgiveness that Jesus had to offer, remember that story on the shore, Jesus cooks breakfast, one of my all-time favorite moments in scripture, and he comes back to Peter, and you know that moment, I don't need to unpack that whole moment for you, but in that moment, Peter receives the radical grace and forgiveness that Jesus has to offer, and he gets back up, and he carries on, and he goes on to be the leader of the church, the leader of the first group of Christians who would preach and share the gospel. Peter goes on and faithfully follows Jesus' command and preaches a spirit-filled message on the day of Pentecost. And we read that 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter would continue to be a faithful leader in the church up until his very own death. And Peter not only fulfills what Jesus prays for in Luke 22, but he also fulfills what Jesus said to him in Matthew 16. I don't have that on the screen today, but do you recall Matthew chapter 16 when when Jesus calls Peter? Peter goes from Simon to Peter, and what does he say? On this rock, on you, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Right? Those words are fulfilled through Peter's life. Despite Peter's falter, Jesus was not finished with him yet. And we need to be reminded this morning that he's not finished with us. We have not failed. As long as we are here, we haven't failed, and God is not finished yet. As Jesus said, the gates of hell would not prevail. He says that in Luke or Matthew chapter 16, but here in Luke 22, Jesus was clear about something. 
right? He made Peter aware, hey, Peter, Satan's working. He's working to destroy what I'm doing. He is working to divide you and to separate you from me. That's what he means to sift the wheat, as we just read. Jesus was very clear that Satan is working to tear the disciples apart and to divide and separate them from Jesus because the enemy's end game is always failure. The enemy's end game is to separate you from Jesus, to separate you from the church, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever it is, that is his end game for you to remain separated. And Jesus is clear to, to be aware of that. And I don't know about you, but I can't help but notice the rare form that the church overall, Big C Church, has been in these past few years. And maybe it's because they, uh, our, our weaknesses and the ugly parts of us, our dysfunctions have just been on display for the world to see in a whole new light. Thank you, social media. Right? I don't, I'm not naive enough to think that these dysfunctions are new, that there haven't always been dysfunctions in the church, but now the whole world just gets to see them. It's like when a family is out in public and, and you're out in public and, and you see people and you're like, oh, keep it together. We've got to just make this look good and nice and pretty, right? And then when you get home, you really let the ugly show. You start yelling at each other. Well, now that's, that's us. We, we don't even care in public anymore, right? And the point is, though, I feel as though our dysfunctions, the church's dysfunctions, our divisions, our anger and our hatred, it's just been so present and prevalent and the world is seeing it, we are seeing it, and we have to acknowledge how divided we've become at times. We have to acknowledge that there has been anger, deep anger. There's been hatred, and if we're honest and, and if we can just confess just flat-out sinfulness on our part many times. And it's been really difficult. It's been really challenging. And a lot of us are just looking around like, oh my goodness, our crazy is on display for the world to see, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> but there are times where it feels like, okay, well, there's no coming back. There is no going back from this. If we are honest this morning, We've all, as members of the church, we have all assumed the denial of Peter in one form or another, at one point or another, ceasing or resisting being who Jesus has called us to be, at one, at one point or another. And yet, despite all of that, I'm reminded of another prayer of Jesus. In John 17, Jesus says this, he's praying to the Father, and he had just been praying for the disciples, and then he moves on in verse 20, and he says, but my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and that you've loved them even as you have loved me. 
Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. We are the them, by the way. and that I myself may be in them. And there are moments where we have not done a very good job showing the world who Jesus is. We all assume responsibility. Can we just be clear? At one point or another, we have all been guilty of this. We have all faltered and and failed, in our minds anyways, at representing Christ to the world. But listen, Jesus at one point prays for Peter, who would go on to serve as the leader and the representative of the church. And that prayer does not go unanswered. And we need to remember that here in this moment, Jesus prays for us, for us, the future of the church, the future believers of the church. Jesus prays for us. And could it be that just as God answered Jesus' prayer in Luke 22, he's still answering Jesus' prayer in John 17. Could it be that this prayer is what has held us together despite all the dysfunction, despite all the division, despite the hatred and the anger? Could it be that that Jesus' prayer is what has held us together? Church, we have not failed. We have not failed because we're not finished. There is a lot of work to be done. There is still plenty to be done. And yes, we have faltered. I have faltered. But we have not failed because God is not finished with us yet. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And so I think not only do we need to hear that collectively as a, as a body, as members of the church, but maybe you this morning need to make it personal. And maybe you this morning, remove yourself just for a moment, and, and I don't ever want to encourage you to remove yourself, but you know what I mean? Like, make this personal. You have not failed because God is not finished with you. God is not finished with you, and you have faltered. We've all faltered, but you have not failed. I'm here to remind you this morning that Jesus offers you radical forgiveness and grace, and he calls you to get back up and to go on because he's not finished. I love how Winston Churchill says, success is not final. So in other words, that reminds me, like, just sit down, okay? Just sit down, put, get back in your place. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Doesn't matter where you are in that. Don't you dare look at the person next to you and think, but look where they are and look where I am. Don't do that. Because Jesus is just looking at you and he says, I'm not done with you yet. And he looks at us, church, 
And thanks be to God that he is not finished with us yet. And the key in all of this, here's the key. Are you ready? The key in all of this is to remember who you are, remember who Christ is, and remember your profound need for him. Moment by moment, day by day, we need him. We need him. And so the praise team is going to come, and, and we are going to so appropriately close with this song, Lord, I Need You. But here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to we're going to transition into a time of both singing and prayer and response, also preparing to come to the table. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that today begins this call that I've been preparing you for for several weeks now. This call comes from the top of our denomination, from the board of general superintendents who have called the church of the Nazarene in USA and Canada to come together, and we call this the half million mobilization, where we are calling on the half million Nazarenes to come together and pray, not just every Sunday, but every day from now, May 1st, until Pentecost. And we are praying each and every day, and we are praying for a number of things. But overall, the overarching theme here is that we are praising that God would, or that we would recognize what God's purpose is for us, and that that purpose would be fulfilled in our lives and in our churches. Church, this disunity in the church today and in our culture, it's, it's palpable. Right? It's, it's very obvious. And it's important for us, if we are going to be people of healing, if we are going to be people who stand apart, then, then we must call upon God and ask him to renew us. To forgive us for our falters and to seek his face as we pray for this renewal and this resurgence. We pray that through Christ, we would be one, that we would be united to one another. And so that's one of the importances about gathering at the table. And if you've already noticed, you've probably already noticed that we're going to be going back to a traditional approach with communion. I think that, you know, it was just really convenient before, quite frankly, and it worked for a season where you're not wanting to touch the things that you're preparing. And we take precautions on a non-COVID in a non-COVID time, but it just made sense. But it's time, I think, to go back to this because the beauty of this versus prepackaged elements is not only watching members of the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ coming forward, but you're kind of, in a way, opening your hands to receive. And ideally, as you walked in the building and you, as you walked in the building and you were handed a prepackaged communion set, ideally, you know, you would open your hands to receive, but it's just so easy to be like, oh, thank you, moving on. But this is an intentional moment where we, the, the dysfunctional, flawed members of the church, we come forward together and we receive the grace of God to fill us and to sustain us once again. Amen? So, let me give you a little bit of instruction and, and also just bear with us because we're going to be a little rusty, I'm sure. But the praise team is going to lead us in a moment in song, Lord, I need you. And so 
Greg and Connie Griffin are going to kind of instruct each row when to come up. And, and, and Dwight and I will be serving communion. And so you're going to come forward when your row is told to do so. And if you would, just whichever way you come up, just go the opposite way back to your seat, if that makes sense. I trust that you can handle that. You can figure that out. Go the opposite way of, of the flow. And I want you to come and, and don't... Listen, don't let this just be another thing that you do mindlessly, okay? This is intentional. This is recognizing your need for God's grace once again and simply being open to receiving his grace once again. And so you're going to come up, and and Dwight or I, you can get in either line. Dwight or I will serve you. We do have the gluten-free elements for those who require that. And I want you to hold on to your elements, because you're going to take it back to your seat, and then we're all going to receive together, okay? But before we do that, um, I am going to go ahead and ask Dwight if he will come up. Before we um, invite everyone to come, if you are not able to come forward this morning to, to walk up here, would you slip up your hand, and we will bring the elements to you. Slip up your hand if you're not able to come forward, and we will come serve you first. This is the body of our Lord that was broken for you, and the blood of our Lord that was shed for you. This is the body of our Lord. So when your row is dismissed, please make your way forward. You guys can go ahead and stand if you'd like while you're waiting. We're going to sing together. sin. 
underestimated the um, power of being the one to come up and receive when you just feel like you need it the most. So brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the body of our Lord that was broken for you. May you take and eat and be thankful. And this is the blood of our Lord that was shed for you. 
for the forgiveness of your sins. May you take and drink and be thankful this morning. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you that we can come together to this table, broken, flawed, and even empty. And we thank you, God, that in a way that only you can, you renew us and you refill us, and you give us more of your strength to go out into the world, to pour ourselves out, and to be the unifying, holy, set-apart love that this broken world needs. May it be so only by your strength and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you remain standing as we sing the doxology together this morning? We were all thinking it, so I'm just glad somebody said it, if we're being honest. (laughs) All right, friends. Well, before we dismiss this morning, I do just want to share a few announcements with you. Um, If I can, just bear with me as I continue to give you more instruction for this series. So coupled with this series, Praying Our Way to Pentecost, are some resources that were given to us by the Church of the Nazarene. um, It's resources for each and every day, just a scripture, a prayer prompting, and a prayer for you to pray each and every day. Originally, they had booklets that they were sending out to churches, and then at one point they ran out, and it was a while ago, like a while ago. So we do not have the booklets for you. However, um, if you take your phone out, you can find a QR code in multiple places, and you can scan that uh, to find the digital download for this booklet, this journal, and then you can print it off, or you can use it on your iPad or your phone or or however. Um, But you can try to scan this um, up here. It's going to be on the TVs out and about, and it's also out in the foyer on a table at the Welcome Center, okay? And so that's just going to be a daily prompting for you as we hopefully commit to praying each and every day from now until the day of Pentecost. Along with that, we are also going to open up the sanctuary on Sunday mornings beginning at 9 a.m. and going until 9.30 a.m., and this is going to be um, a built-in time for prayer. So if anyone feels like you want to come and pray corporately for, a, for 30 minutes before a service, we invite you and encourage you to do so. And each Sunday, we will have a kind of a prompting on the screen for you to kind of guide you and lead you through that time. Of course, you can pray for absolutely whatever is on your heart, and then we'll close that time together before Sunday school at 9.30. So that's going to be each Sunday until Pentecost, okay, including Pentecost as well. 
Um, Operation Christmas Child, we have been kind of sharing with you that we are going to be partnering with our homeschool group that meets here at our building, Hearts at Home Homeschool Group, and we're going to be collecting items each month from now until November because that's how they are able to uh, fill such amazing boxes that have anything and everything. Well, okay, that's a little exaggerated, but to have the essentials and like they're really well thought out and planned out. So they collect things all kind of all year long, and so... I'm not going to always announce this to you. I will for a, for a bit, but just keep in mind that every month from now until November, there will be a box in the foyer with a sign above it that lets you know what we're collecting. So even if I don't announce it, be sure to check that out. Each month it's going to change and you can know what to bring. So this month for May, it's washcloths and that ivory soap. Remember how uh, she shared with us that particularly the ivory soap because it floats. So uh, that's, what, that's the brand we're looking for. And also if your washcloths could be any color but white. That's also helpful, okay? So that's what we'll be collecting. And so just always kind of have that in the back of your mind. And then finally, um, it has been one whole year since the last time we did this, ladies, so sorry, but we are planning another get-together for the ladies at Kathy Dothager's house. That's going to be Thursday, May 19th at 6 p.m., and so if you can just let us know if you plan to attend so we can provide or know how much food to plan, we will have dinner that'll be taken care of, and so we're just asking that you all are, um, that can, ladies, show up for that, but let us know, and there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And lastly, um, our preteen group and our teen group will be meeting tonight. Um, I know we met last week and we're also meeting this week. That's just how we're doing it this time. And then we will not be meeting next week, but just so families know um, that's going on tonight. Okay. All right. So you can all stand at this time. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. I pray that you would go and know that you are seen and you are loved and that you have not failed, and that God is not finished with you yet. So go and be faithful out in the world this week. You are dismissed. Have a great day.